Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. If um, you visit our building only on Sundays, you miss a lot of what goes on around here. Love Works Academy for the Arts is the charter school that is housed downstairs here at First Unitarian Society. Now, the first thing I have to say is that this began as a, as a business relationship. We have a large building and we use it basically mostly on Sunday, so what to do with it. Um, and so a school makes a whole lot of sense for us because we believe in education and the school that came to us as a renter was LoveWorks Academy for the Arts. But as time has gone on, our relationship has deepened. Many of you have volunteered for our reading program, and which we have for a couple days a week, uh, of some of our members coming in, and yes, mm -hmm. and thank, thanks a lot. Going to hear, be hearing about some of that. Uh, but as we're going on also, uh, Jay, our Minister for Lifelong Learning, uh, has also become more and more involved with LoveWorks Academy. And so today we wanted to talk a little bit with Mr. Allen about what's going on and what we can do to help. Jay, take it away. So I am truly excited uh, to share with you. All right, can y'all hear me now? Got it. Got All right, it. yes. Y'all know we need voice. We need voice in this space. So I'll start off with this. this. This is a really great opportunity for us. At the same time, I've had the wonderful opportunity to work with Mr. Allen as he stepped in. How many days now? What, 52 days now? 58. 58. <laughs> this, is how, this is how we've been counting. Uh, counting our days to success, right? Counting our days to re-envision. Um, but I want to I wanna just uh, pour out this bio really fast. And you know, as a, as a colleague uh, of, of mine, I, I see Mr. Allen as, as a colleague, Don Allen as a colleague, uh, with, within the work of educational justice, within the work of reimagining, within the work with the, what the title of the school is, Love Work. We know that work. We know what it consists of. And so me and Mr. Allen have been partnering and really developing strategies uh, to make things happen. But here is this brilliant brother that sits beside me. Uh, he, is, he is actually a doctoral student at Hamlin University uh, in St. Paul. Uh, Mr. Allen is an organizational design guru and has 20 years of corporate experience within public relations, internet marketing, and system design. But let me back up some a little bit here. Mr. Allen also was a former veteran of the United States Army and the chief, uh, chief and now he's now the chief academic superintendent of LoveWorks. So he's not just the principal, he's the superintendent, just to be clear. Uh, and joining us today, I'm just super excited to hear his worth and wealth of knowledge that he brings regarding what I consider to be a black treasure uh, that is in our community every week. And that is why I come every day of the week just to spend time with, these, with this kind of brilliance and also it informs our practice here. So I present to you now, Mr. Don Allen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you. Testing one, two. Okay. There you go. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate the invitation. And before I even start, I just have to say all the volunteers that come down and help the kids read, uh, I'm seeing it on the back end. Uh, we go into some NWEA testing here this week on th Wednesday and Thursday. I hope to see some of the results from the help that you've been giving our students. And we greatly appreciate that. Um, even the students that give you a hard time, which will be a few. Uh, we're, we're, we're changing, we're, we're evolving, and we're moving into a direction that is beneficial to our students, to our families, to the community, and more so to you and your congregation that has uh, let us have a business relationship here and uh, rent out the space. We appreciate it. Uh, can we go to the slide deck, please? I have a short slide deck. I didn't know how long. You know, I could talk for hours, but I won't do that to you because we'll be here until four or five. Uh, so uh, as Dr. J said, I'm a, currently a doctoral student at Hamlin University. And uh, the thing about Hamlin, I've been in graduate school since 2015. I earned four masters, uh, my superintendent license last year, and I graduate this year, uh, May 11th, with an education specialist, which is the terminal degree for when you get your superintendent license. And so I'm a lifelong learner. I'm not the minister of lifelong learners, <laughs> M-L-L-L. But uh, I'm just trying to change some dynamics. Uh, someone said that uh, if you don't come from a rich family, you got to make a rich family, you know? And it's, it's important in the black community, black American community in Minnesota that we start to do that and we take a serious look at education and what education really is. Uh, next slide, please. So it's my 58th day. I, I don't know, I don't watch sports, so I can't relate that to a football, basketball player. I just, it was a meme that came up on Google Slides. So I used it because they had the numbers. Yeah, I have no idea, so forgive me for that. Uh, let's go. In 1962 is when my educational journey started for me. My mom from Mississippi, I went to college there. My dad, a Jamaican immigrant who came over from Jamaica, said he swam from Jamaica to Cuba, then to Cuba to Miami, and then didn't like Miami, and he swam from uh, Miami to Houston. And when I was in third grade, I told my teacher the story, um, St. Paul Public Schools, Como Elementary, and my teacher said, look at the map. There's no way it's possible that your dad swam to these locations, because look at, she went to the mileage and everything, it was, no one has done it before. So I went back and told my dad, I confronted him, I said, Pops, um, his name is Donald also, I said, you did not swim. And he looked at me and says, well, good, you're learning something in school. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, yeah, and, and he walked away. Uh, and and my, my mom, um, she, she, when, as I got older and could understand this, she goes, you know, we, we either thought you were going to be a preacher or a teacher because you would scribble at two on pieces of paper and then jump on the couch and try to get anybody, everybody's attention. And this is in St. Paul, and this is one of the things, I have one with my dad's pipe in my, in my mouth, but I won't show you that one. And, yeah, thank you, next slide, that's fine. Uh, so this is some of my academic journey from uh, Hamlin University, uh, I recommend Hamlin to all the way to uh, Minsky, uh, to uh, University of San Diego. Of course, I graduated, like I told you earlier, from Hamlin again. Uh, leadership courses at St. Thomas and the affiliations that I've had throughout my academic career. Uh, I left the University of Minnesota as full-time faculty in Hubbard School of Journalism and Mass Communications to uh, get into the charter 
arena because that's where my dissertation was centered and I just thought it was very important. But uh, enough about me, let's move on to the next slide. This is my celebrity slide. I always throw in a celebrity slide of people that I've met in education that I've gotten a chance to take a picture with from uh, Jesse Ventura to Matt Burke to the former commissioner of education and leaders of Hamlin and Senator Mark Perrin over there who is a testing one too, there we go, who is a good friend and always comes through to Tim Wise, a national race scholar. Uh, I wrote a story uh, for the Hamlin Oracle a while back. It said, the title was, what if Tim Wise was black and took a flip perspective on Tim Wise and being a race scholar and what he talks about and mm. how he talks about it. And he liked it and he signed the paper, which I can't find anymore, but he enjoyed it. Um, next slide. In my corporate career, uh, of course, I was in the Army. I worked in radio, television, and newspaper, um, an internet marketing company uh, that I've had for a long time. I uh, still have contracts out there where I I pro bono help people out, small businesses that don't know that much about algorithms and what's happening on the web and how to create your presence on the internet um, in spite of things that might happen or not happen, especially education facilities, because you know the first thing that happens, if there's a crisis at a school, the news agencies get it and it's the first thing on the internet. There's ways to move that to the 10th page. It's and, and some schools use that, some schools don't. Some schools just feel the burn and roll with it till it drops out of ranking. Uh, next slide, please. <laughs> this is from my dissertation. I just want to read this. At our current Twin Cities trajectory, the kindergarten class of 2024 might be the first might be first generation college students out of their whole family in 2036. Every child has the ability. How long will we wait to fix something that's broken and useless for Black, Latino, Asian, and Native American children? and some middle-class white children. Because if you live in areas, zip codes in North Minneapolis and places in St. Paul, it doesn't matter what color you are. You're gonna get that same education and it's not great, it's not helping our, our population and we need to be creating the world's greatest workforce. And right now, it's not happening. It should, in places. And I'm just talking about Twin Cities Pacific. Pacific I'm not gonna go out to the suburbs and talk about how much money they get and all, I don't care. We have to fix our inner city dynamics first. Uh, next slide, please. <clears throat> I like Charlie Brown. I'm born in the 60s. I have to. <laughs> and so uh, just the state of education in Twin Cities, I'll just whip right through this. And uh, there's a lot of things going on. And I like to deal with facts and truth. And so the next few slides are just going to deal with some harsh realities. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little background story about when I came into Love Works, what I saw as someone who worked in public school, private school, and higher ed, and it was kind of, it's kind of scary. I'm not going to give you the, all the details, just we're going to touch on some things that you should know. Uh, next slide, please. Okay, I missed that slide. Let me go back. Okay. This year, since we've been there uh, at Love Works, since I've been there, there's uh, there's a little bit more than that now. When I did this slide a couple months ago for another presentation, uh, we were at $460,000 in grants. The Stronger Connections grants, the different grant arts grants. And uh, I had a, a, a piece on here. Okay, this is probably just downloaded. Don't worry about it. We've been able to use zero of these grants. 
And I think right now it's 750000 that we have been granted by mm -hmm. the state of Minnesota. The Minnesota does finance your schools. But the thing about it, if you don't have a cash flow to get reimbursed, then you waddle in poverty and the kids don't get served. It's just how the system was set up by the state legislature. And of course, now since the scandal with feeding our future, they really want to be accountable. You know, when you lose 250 to 500 million dollars, everybody in the office wants to be accountable. And so that denies a lot of charter schools and public schools the dollars they need to push the missions forward. And in spite of getting this money granted to LoveWorks Academy, there's still a gap, and that gap is a resource gap. We have the talent, but when you talk to the talented people at MDE, they're following their rules, and you can't blame it on an individual or just like an individual because of the rules that were set there from the very beginning, but you wonder who was in the room when they were designing this. And that's the big puzzle that we have. How do we get to the point? We started fundraisers. Uh, matter of fact, February 2nd was our fundraiser with the veterans of, uh, the Black Veterans of America, which is a national organization that represents all veterans and lobbies for them for health care, for benefits, for retirements, changing dishonorable discharges to honorable discharges uh, through a series of meetings with the people in charge. And I, I checked the portal with the president, his name is David Hall, and there was, since February 2nd, we've raised $250. And we, our goal was $29,000 for the month of February, Black History Month. And so there's a disconnect all the way around. Next slide, please. And you wonder why. You know, why does this happen? Why are these schools not funded the way they should be? I mean, there's a lot of critical information, a lot of critical things going on. And like I said, I could sit here until 5 o'clock and running it down, but I'm just going to whip through this to get to some salient points. Uh, next slide. Commitment without currency is counter counterfeit. You have, you have people that tell you all the time, oh, we're, we're committed to doing this, or that you're so passionate. I hate that. Uh, it's skill set. Everybody in here that has a skill set, you know you might be passionate, but overall it's your skill set. It's what you can do because you've done more of it, which made you better. Next set. Okay. Uh, and this, I was watching Guardians of the Galaxy 3 again <laughs> yesterday, and there was a quote. You know how when you watch a movie and you go back and you pull something out that you didn't see or hear before? Yeah. And it wasn't really, it was coming out of Drax, and he's not the brightest person in that crew, but he says, be not as you are, but as you should be. And that's resonating because what does it mean to be what you should be? Thank you. Next slide. This is us, Love Works Academy. It's not pretty at all. When you look at the numbers, and anybody can see this, this is uh, found on Minnesota Report Card. You can Google it, it's the Minnesota Department of Education, Minnesota Report Card for any school. You can compare, contrast between different schools and schools districts to look at them to see what the performance is. And I'm just gonna tell you, in 2023, two kids ranked to have a 2.2% proficiency in math, in reading, 18.9% out of 17 kids, and there's 150 kids in the school, but only 17 of them ranked. Um, in science, 7.1% in science in 2023 with two students ranking. To me, that's not acceptable. But being in advertising, marketing, and public relations, you can't just 
talk about anybody else without talking about yourself first. So the comparative dynamics of what's going on in the city, which I will do here. Next slide. The charter school like us, another one is this charter school where you have 5.8% in math, 16.5% in reading and science, 4.5% a black charter school. Next slide, please. Friendship Academy, same thing. Numbers a little bit lower there for 2023, but that's the dynamics. This is what's happening if you can't access, you know, there's this thing called First Things First, New Deal for Urban Mothers. Uh, a large population, over 45% of our students are homeless. And so in December 15th, the last day of the school year before they were going home for their winter break, I stood outside and I thought about what I would tell them as they left. I couldn't say happy holiday. Couldn't say really Merry Christmas or have, you know, hope Santa visit you. And they're going into shelters. They're going on people to people's couches. They're going places where some of us would not imagine or could not live in that situation. We see it every day when the students come back in after a weekend or a long weekend. Like Tuesday, coming tomorrow's a holiday, no school. Monday is President's Day. Tuesday is going to be a reset Tuesday. Because a, a small pipe, well, for over 45% of the students do not have regular housing or shelter. shelter. You can't dump all that on a school. You can't dump all that on a city. I call that complex complicity. Because there's parents. There's money out there. Uh, we hear the headlines or read the headlines or see the headlines on the news every day that multi-millions of dollars have been granted for this or for that. And it never really reaches the community that needs it. And so that's unfortunate. Next slide. Am I taking too long? Oh, oh. yes. Oh, okay. Something's wrong with that one. Okay. Testing one, two. This is better. <laughs> I am Optimus Prime. Okay. Uh, and so this is Minneapolis and St. Paul Public Schools. And just, I mean, glance at the numbers. Uh, we all know in this audience that 70% is a C. Can we agree to that? Okay. Do you see a 70% up there? So why are we praising the folks running in the school? I have nothing against unions. I have nothing against teachers that have been there a long time that are fully protected. I was in the union in St. Paul myself. You know, and things happen inside of schools. And these, are, this, these numbers aren't just black, African-American, black Minnesotan kids. This is the, the whole school systems. And you look at them, you're like, what can we do to get math, reading, and science up at least to 70% for Minneapolis and St. Paul? Part of that is to disconnect with the parents. It's to disconnect with the school. It's to disconnect with the system. A system is designed to put out exactly what it puts out. Mm. It can be highly functional. LoveWorks Academy is a highly functional school. When I came in on November 13th, 2023, uh, we had K-8 teachers and two licensed teachers that have actually, one had went through a teacher training program and the rest were paraprofessionals that stepped up when staff turned over three times in the last year. And so 
my goal was to make sure that I had all licensed teachers in there that were eligible for a tier one license according to Minnesota, but also would take part in a Grow Your Own program where they can get a bachelor's degree in education and also continue on and maybe take master's courses and do that master's for plus 60 to get that ultimate salary at the end of the day. And so with that said, we've locked in the teachers that we need, now the resources. That goes back to M uh, MDE. And I'm not making MDE, they're not the bad person at all in this, at all. And don't mistake me, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying that there was a process put in place that was absent of the voices for the least of thee, as Martin Luther King would say. And if those people aren't there, well, there's no voice, there's no input. You know, some superintendents and folks around the state are battling with book bans. Some of them are battling with culture shocks to students that they have there. Well, we're just battling with resources and having enough people in the school to make sure that the urban mothers have a new deal and that we do first things first. Uh, is that, was, that was the last slide? Oh yeah, and if you want to donate, this is how you donate to LoveWorks. And I just wanted to whip through that. I didn't want to take too long. And it goes a lot deeper than that. And I'll be, I'll, I can talk to anybody at any time about it. I'd be f happy to do that. But there, we're in a serious dilemma that needs to be corrected. And my goal is to get rid of the achievement gap in this school in under a year and a half. Uh, we're doing things to push in that direction, but resources are always nice. Thank you. All right. You know? You know? No, you're good. And, and at noon today, we'll have a, a Q&A. I think it's in the Dietrich room, I believe. So uh, we can definitely get more into that. But, you know, I, I, one thing that privileged people, I think, don't figure out. For example, when I came home in the evening, my parents were at work, right? So did they help me with my homework? No. <laughs> I very well remember bringing home a dinosaur book, you know, uh, they've always been popular with kids. And I was, I was supposed to read it to my mother, so I was reading it to my mother and I ran into words I didn't know. So I made them up. And she didn't know. And that's when I realized my mother couldn't read. Right, so, <laughs> so one thing you have to remember is um, educational deficit continues down the road. I've talked about my share of proper dad and that sort of thing before. Now that's rural poverty from the bad old days, but a similar thing is going on in Minneapolis all the time. Something to remember. Jay. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, reflecting on the, on the slides and things, and as someone who has been a part of education systems, particularly charter schools, I've worked in private and stuff, you know, I am curious to ask this question, there's a lot of ingredients that people have when they're trying to re-envision systems. I always say, you're the man of logistics. So every time I work with you, I know I gotta, I, it's gotta be data, it's gotta be something, like it's gotta be clear cut. What is your, what would you say is maybe three ingredients that you think help schools or systems improve? particularly in, 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 the, in the way that we're experiencing Minneapolis public school systems? Well, not just to talk about Minneapolis, you can hear me now, wow. Uh, you, not just to think, talk about Minneapolis public schools, but to include LoveWorks Academy. Uh, three things, there's this author named Karen Chenoweth, 
she, and she wrote a book, How Districts That Succeed. Excuse me, I can't write, it's on Twitter. She tweeted me this morning, actually, because I retweeted her book. And it's a book that I keep on my desk here and on my desk at home and in my bedroom. I have three copies, yes. Uh, it's excessive, I know. Uh, but she said, talented leadership. She's never seen a school district move the needle unless there was talented leadership. There's a guy by the name of Michael Fullen wrote a book called Nuance Leadership. Hmm. Nuance Leadership is looking into those dark spaces, those blind spots where no one wants to look. And if you know anything about doing that, or if you've tried it with friends and family, you're not on the popular list at all. Hmm. You know, when you look into something, I'll give you a quick example. Uh, I was wondering why all these drive-by events were happening and I knew nothing about them as superintendent, chief academic officer. He says, well, we did this last year. I says, shouldn't someone know? Shouldn't there be some communication? Oh yeah, we'll send you an email. But the word of mouth was good enough. When you run a learning organization, you have to have a paper trail, number one, and the communication is not just with me. Communication goes with the students, the parents, the wider community, the teachers, and our partners. So the second piece or formula would be the nuanced leadership to look in those dark spaces and say, hey, there's something wrong here that we need to adjust. Uh, the third piece or the third part of the formula would be human capital and work groups and culture. Culture trumps strategy every time. And if your work groups and and human capital is not doing what they need to do. They need to be set on the right trajectory. Um, my nickname, I've heard, is Darth Vader. <laughs> and I, I did write a piece a while back about Darth Vader, how I admired his leadership ability. <laughs> and, and I mean, he was authoritarian, but you know, he conquered planets. He did some stuff. He ran, he had a long run. And, 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 and so, you know, not, I mean, I'll lift people up without choking. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, just looking at that, you know, you have to, people are different. Uh, I worked, quickly here, I worked in the public schools in school buildings in St. Paul, public schools where I was the only black teacher. Well-degreed, well-experienced, more so than most of the teachers in the building, but not the length of time. And that same, by, by no means, I'm not a victim. I don't do that, okay? Everything has to go. You gotta do what you have to do to survive. You gotta pay your dues, I understand that. But the stuff that happened to me in those buildings mm -hmm. as the only black person, the black man in the building, happens in this building that I'm in now. And these are 98% black people. Yep. That same piece, I'm trying to figure out some, what to call it because it's something. If we could remove that, I think it would be beautiful. Yeah, I, I think as we, as we see it too, and I, I saw you, David, I'm just thinking that too, like a lot of this, um, just from some of my training and experiences, like unfortunately we have a lot of residual from, yes, one would go and say systematic and institutional, but there is a lot of psychological stuff that just already comes with just trying to survive. Right. We, even if you don't know the system, 
right? I mean, I can, I can sit up here as a, as a person of color, as a black person in America, and talk about systemic and institutional and psychological racism. Mm -hmm. But that is not on the tongues of the people who are sitting over north, right? That's not who's sitting, like, you, you, like to even get that process to be understood is an unlearning in itself. Right? And that is the articulation that some lack. And then to only realize that some things are not systemic or psychological or social, but particularly one has to find, as I've been sitting here reading about uh, abolition, uh, abolitionist teaching, one has to really reimagine themselves in spaces that they have not seen. Y'all have often heard me say, I'm here to color white spaces, and I will color outside the lines. But I have to imagine myself in this space. There is no other, you know, it, it doesn't show up easy for me. And that is my own personal work to engage what could see, be seen as an institutional, social, systemic, psychological problem regarding race in this country. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and one of, uh, one of my uh, African-American friends once said, you know, the, the, the toughest thing is to be the identified problem, always. It's the black problem. It's the problem with black men. It's, you know... And, uh, and just to carry that burden, mm -hmm. which Jay and I will be talking about next week a little bit with uh, celebrating uh, W.B. Du Bois' work and uh, the idea of double consciousness and how you know, many people have to carry their real identity so deeply hidden within them, but always that white gaze, the white male gaze mm -hmm. of, of judging everybody else according to those standards. So. More to come, and at noon today, uh, Jay and Mr. Allen will be talking. Let's do a congregational song, shall we? Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.